to it it is the Derek Hunter podcast for the first day of June glorious June 2020 it's hot as hell though my god this is my birth month ladies and gentlemen so the whole month shall be a celebration of moi appreciate you listening download and share and telling a friend all that good stuff thank you for that there is a lot going on we'll get to a lot of things don't forget about patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast where you can find the weekend effort review and enter the contest or DerekHunter.locals.com. you get the same stuff there although uh, yeah no I gotta put up the uh, I'll put up by the time you hear this the contest should be put up there so you can enter there appreciate all the support I see the big breaking news that Michael Sussman was found not guilty in the Durham. Of course he was. If anybody was telling you that he was going to be found guilty, they're an idiot or they're selling something. Make no mistake about it. <laughs> Make no mistake about it. Uh, the, the jury in in this case in, in Washington, D.C. was never in a million years going to pr- convict any liberal. That's how you got you got Obama and and Gore or Obama and Biden and Clinton donors up there. Basically co-conspirators. They know these people. They know one guy's kid played soccer with the other guy, with the, the defendant's kid. And the judge let it go. It, it was never going to be. It was never going to be. We learned a lot, but it's not worth going into because we've learned nothing, honestly. Except that politics wins. Politics trumps all. You got to get these prosecutions out of Washington, D.C., period. Put them in northern Virginia. Put them in southern. Find a way to connect them somewhere. Donald Trump is under investigation by left-wing prosecutors desperate to make a name for themselves all across the country. Find a way to follow that model. Get them into a red district, and then suddenly you'll start to th- see things change. Unless and until these prosecutors start thinking strategically, it's all just masturbation. And maybe Durham was doing it just for that. Who knows? Box checked. But um, no, anybody who's shocked by this is lying or trying to sell you their book. Don't buy into this crap. These people are getting away with it. Getting away with it. It's probably not as bad as it's been sold because the truth rarely sells, but it's certainly worse than you've been told uh, by the mainstream media. The truth, as always, is somewhere in between. And on either end are people, shysters, trying to make money off of you. Be aware of all of it. Anybody who promises you anything about the future is selling you something. Period. End of story. So that's all I really care to say about that, to be perfectly honest with you. It was a joke from the beginning. It's frustrating as all hell. But there's no reason for anybody to cooperate with Durham because he's just going to keep trying them, if he does, in left-wing jurisdictions. What's the point? What's the point? Anyway, that's enough. Like I say, well, I'll probably, if I learn more about this and it's in any way shocking or interesting, I will go into it but i i just don't foresee that happening at least not today now let's get on with the show we got a lot of things going on we've got canada disarming itself 
It's really amazing. Nothing, as far as I know, granted, I do not keep up with Canadian news like I should, but I don't think that anything happened in Canada, yet progressives are so excited, aroused even at the prospect of curtailing people's rights that Canada is moving to further restrict weapons. <laughs> Why? Well, because they want to take advantage of anything they can everywhere. Uvalde's in the news. It's fading from the news, but it was in the news. Canada, Justin Trudeau saw an opportunity to pounce. So we'll talk about that because they're going full out. Joe Biden kind of lets the cat out of the bag about how far they're looking to go when it comes to gun control. It really is amazing how this guy screws up. Everything he says, everything he does, he is, uh, he's not there mentally. He's not, look, he was never bright, but he's now senile on top of it. And he's getting mad, which I think is really funny. He's getting mad at his staff that they are uh, walking back his comments. (laughs) What? Yeah. No, he comes out and he says something stupid that is not U.S. policy. And then he comes back and says, oh, no, sorry about that. Uh, he, the president didn't mean it. Were cha- well, you know when the president said that thing, policy is changing dramatically? He didn't mean that, you know, the policy was changing. He wasn't talking about that. <laughs> NBC News has the story. Uh, it <laughs> It's funny because Joe Biden said yesterday that uh, he didn't want to sell or not sell. He didn't want to give weapons to Ukraine that could be launched into Russia. I thought that would be an unnecessary escalation of things over there. We're already ticking off Russia by supplying Ukraine with with its weapons. I think he has a valid point there. I also don't think you should announce that to the world if you're president of the United States. I think you want to keep your enemies and adversaries and whatevers guessing. That would be the way to do it. I don't think you want to come in there and nobody plays poker and says, you know what, I'm going to play Texas Hold'em, but I'm going to flip my cards up. You know what, I just, in the name of honesty and frankness, I think that bluffing is just wrong and it should be a straight up calculation of odds. (laughs) a gentleman's game sir no you wouldn't do that that takes all the fun out of the game to the extent that there's any fun in poker but it also you lose you're going to lose you're going to lose pretty quickly it's stupid you never tell your opponents what you're going to do that joe biden seems to do that oh we'll totally go to war to defend taiwan we will that's new and then the white house staff comes out and says "No, no 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 he didn't he didn't mean what he clearly said in plain English. He meant something else. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, even uh, Joe Biden, in his senility, has moments of lucidity, right? And in those moments of lucidity, I imagine he takes a look at some of the newspapers and says, hey, wait a second, why is my staff walking back what I said? Maybe he meant it. So he's sick of it. The, uh, the thing I just told you about, the missile, the rockets for Ukraine. Politico has a story, White House walks back Biden ruling out rockets for Ukraine. <laughs> that was a headline yesterday. You see there, if you're president of the United States, maybe you've got some method to your madness. I doubt it. But maybe you've got some method to your madness. You should probably inform your staff about the method to your madness because otherwise 
It just seems like madness. But if you've got it, you should probably lay it out there. You are president of the United States. But Joe Biden is mad that his staff, NBC News reports, beyond policy, Biden is unhappy about a pattern that has developed inside the West Wing. He makes a clear and succinct statement only to have aides rush to explain that he actually meant something else. (laughs) Well... Yeah, I could see why that would be disconcerting. But if you're not firing anybody, what does it matter? If there are no consequences for doing it, who cares? If these are all Bernie bros coming in and saying, no, no, no. But, you know, what he's saying is even crazier than what Bernie would say in most cases. So I don't even know. The headline of this new uh, NBC News story is Inside a Biden White House Adrift. The subhead, amid a rolling series of calamities and sinking approval ratings, the president's feeling lately is that he just can't catch a break. And that angst is rippling through his party. Yeah, poor Joe, he just can't catch a break. He's got the entirety of the left-wing media industrial complex taking up residency in his lower colon, and he just can't catch a break. Got inflation. It just won't be that meanie inflation. Those gas prices are so mean. It's amazing how the framing of this is as though he's not responsible for what goes on. Every time there's a Republican president and there's a gas price spike, what do you see? You see Democrats having a press conference outside the mobile station up on Capitol Hill, which is one of the most expensive places on earth to buy gas. No matter if it's two bucks where you are, it's about 275 to three bucks there. I don't know why. It's the only gas station around. That's why. But the president is personally responsible for every problem if it's a Republican. And the president is uh, not responsible. No fingerprints, nothing. There's no surveillance footage of anything the president is doing is having any negative effect if it's a Democrat, even though the effects are negative. Inflation through the roof, worst since Jimmy Carter. And Joe Biden is, well, you know, he's, he's, he's got a plan to combat inflation. <laughs> How about we just start with stop making it worse? If we can start with stop making it worse, I feel like we can make some progress here. New York or NBC News. Faced with worsening a worsening political predicament, President Joe Biden is pressing aides for a more compelling message and sharper strategy whilst bristling at how they've tried to stifle the plain speaking persona that has long been one of his most potent assets. I love, please, I'm pressing my staff, please come up with something I believe in and then a way for me to communicate what I believe in to the great unwashed. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, seriously. And it's plain spoken. For, if you're plain spoken, then you just speak. And then when the staff comes out and says, no, 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 that's not what he meant, you go to... The microphone, there's always a microphone, there's always a camera near the President of the United States and say, look, I want to clarify something. My staff is trying to say that I didn't mean what I said. I definitely meant what I said. And then clarify even further, because a lot of times what he says is completely muddled and garbage and doesn't make any sense. Explain why. You are not our boss, Joe Biden. You are our employee, theoretically. You should try acting like it. But no, that's not how his 
privileged, entitled mind, to the extent that it does still work, works. Biden is rattled by his sinking approval ratings and is looking to regain voters' confidence that he can provide the sure-handed leadership he promised during the campaign, people close to the president say. I, I, he'll never gain my confidence. Regain is uh, and it would be the wrong word. He never had it. I am fully aware of who Joe Biden is and have been for the vast majority of my life. He is not somebody who instills confidence in it. But if you are somebody who is open to the prospect that this opportunistic, mean, nasty, short-tempered idiot could have and should have your confidence, then I'm sure it's rattled by the results of what he's done. And he might be able to regain it. But the first thing to do would be to stop screwing up. But he's not screwing up. <laughs> he's not screwing up. Oh, you know, it's his sure-handed leadership he promised during the campaign. Well, Joe Biden promised during the campaign that he would take credit for everything and blame for everything. He's president of the United States. The buck stops with him. The buck stop. No, Harry Truman's The Buck Stops Here placard didn't have an ellipsis that says but or unless after it. Joe Biden said he would take responsibility for all of these things that happened on his watch. And he has taken responsibility for exactly none of them. That doesn't exactly instill confidence in people, at least not in me. It didn't not Again, he didn't have it to begin with, but I could at least go, well, he knows what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't seem to acknowledge what he's doing. The buck never got there. I wasn't even in town that month would be the way to describe this presidency. Inflation, spending. Remember the ever-evolving explanation of inflation. First of all, it wasn't happening. It's not happening. It's garbage. We're going to need to see some serious data before we'd even consider the prospect that it's happening because it's not happening. And then the data was there. And they said, well, uh, <laughs> that's just transitory. That's to be expected because the economy is so booming right now it is so booming that it's just natural inflation, but it, don't worry, it's temporary. It's very temporary. It'll be over before you know it. And then six months later, and the data is getting worse and worse and worse, and they said, okay, well, maybe. Maybe it's not all that transitory. Maybe it'll be here for a while, but what we can do is spend our way out of it. And we also need to raise taxes our way out of it. And you sit there and you go, uh, we've already spent several trillion dollars more than we've more than exists we created the money to spend it that is a driving the driving force behind inflation how is doing more of that going to change anything it's like coming across somebody who has overdosed on heroin and they're in the midst of dying their their body is convulsing they're losing their battle and you could give them narcan and say this will counteract but there's also a syringe full of heroin and some idiot Democrat comes along and says, no, they're overdosing on heroin. We need to give them more heroin. That's the only way to give to get them out of this overdose is to give them more heroin. And so they throw the Narcan out the window and shoot them up with more heroin. And surprisingly, that doesn't work. That the president of the United States is frustrated. It's probably more likely to put it that the president of the United States is confused as to why his staff is contradicting him. He is confused as to why his uh, 
policies aren't popular. He's confused as to why so many Democrats are wanting to distance themselves from him. <laughs> but again, even NBC News won't admit that he's, they barely even admit he's president of the United States, actually. The liberal media really does barely admit that they are, that he is president of the United States, let alone all the responsibilities that go along with that. It's kind of funny. Somebody tweeted this out. Let me find this. There it is. New York Times, page A14 and A15 from Saturday. The whole spread. Four stories all about Trump. You think, does, whoever, who is Matthew Hennessy? Matthew Hennessy, he is uh, uh, allegedly a Wall Street Journal opinion person. I don't know. He's got the picture there and he says, does the Times think Trump is still president? Honestly, the one headline. After El Paso, Trump again made the case for gun control. Then you check the date, and yes, it is May 28th, 2022. And the bottom of the page, up to 50 subpoenas expected in George, Georgia Trump investigation. Hmm, interesting. Then another one. Trump's suit over inquiry is dismissed. I don't know what it is. I don't care what these stories are. It's just amazing to me that on a daily basis, there are more stories about the former president than the current president. And then on the other page, this is the whole freaking page, it looks like. Primary losses cast doubt on Trump's invincibility in GOP politics. Does anybody recognize that Joe Biden is president of the United States? I know Joe doesn't, <laughs> but you would think that somebody in the press would. You'd hope at least somebody in the press would. So the uh, NBC News story continues. You got to love the way that they are detaching. It is uh, nothing Joe Biden did caused any problems. In fact, it probably saved us or something. It continues. Crises have piled up in ways that have at times made the Biden White House look flat footed. The crises piled up. They're not a result of Joe Biden's actions. No, no, no. He wasn't even in town that month. He's president. I wasn't even in town that month. They just happened to him or he inherited them or whatever. He didn't inherit inflation. <laughs> uh, record inflation. High gas prices. Didn't inherit those. A rise in COVID case numbers. Didn't inherit those either. And now a Texas school massacre. That is one horrific reminder that he has been unable to get Congress to pass legislation to curb gun violence. <laughs> I love it. It, it, it. There's this just this magical piece of legislation that would have stopped a guy who thought it was okay, normal, fine, perfectly okay to shoot an eight-year-old point blank in the face. Sorry to be graphic, but that's what this monster did. And if there had just been some law, oh, no, you can't do it explicitly saying don't do that. Then suddenly this guy down in Texas would have said, oh, oh, well, now that it's like seriously illegal. Yeah, the concept was illegal beforehand. But now that they're very specific about this, I couldn't possibly do that. How the liberal mind works, I'll never fully understand. Democratic leaders are at a loss about how he can revive his prospects by November when midterm elections may cost his party control of Congress. The first, the first and most effective way to get out of a hole is to stop digging. That's a step one 
in every single I'm in a hole, what do I do kind of situation. And instead, what does he do? He goes out there and he blames everything and Republicans for everything and just... I mean, it's not just Joe Biden. I do have to be fair to the guy. It's not Joe Biden. It is the institutional left. They don't care. They don't give a damn about reality, about the truth, about what's going or about what the American public wants. They can frame a poll question to get any answer they want. Should we do something about uh, gun control? Yeah, we should. All right. Hey, should we just strip everybody of their Second Amendment rights and maybe uh, publicly flog anybody who doesn't give up their rights voluntarily? Mm, no. All right, well, dial back. We'll find the happy medium, in there and they'll find a way to phrase something to get the answer that they want. On a vague question, by the way, should we ban scary? Should we ban assault weapons? Yeah. Never, and here's what an assault weapon is. Because I bet you most of the people have no idea. The people asking the question have no idea what an assault. It's a made-up term. But they don't let reality stand in the way of a good story, as evidenced by this story from the Washington Post. Rather hilarious. The Georgia primary happened last week, and it was record turnout. Huge numbers. By a lot, it was record turnout. Now, we were told that voting in Georgia was not only made more difficult, it was made nearly impossible, particularly for anybody whose skin isn't white. Because as science has shown, according to Democrats, black people are incapable of getting themselves a photo ID. It's just the concept confuses them. Well, that was garbage. Black turnout set a record, too, again, by a lot. With that narrative completely blown up and Stacey Abrams exposed as the fraud she is for ruining Atlanta's, denying Atlanta $100 million in income by taking the All-Star Game, which was set to honor the late, great Hank Aaron in the town he broke the record in, Babe Ruth's record, home run record in. They all set to do that, and then they said, oh, no, Stacey Abrams said, we can't have this here. Georgia needs to be punished. And Major League Baseball said, okay, we'll leave. We'll go, to, we'll go to Denver. We'll go to Colorado, which actually has stricter voter ID laws and voter protection laws than the new law in Georgia. But that's beside the point. Once that happened and people said, wait a second, you just cost black-owned businesses $100 million around the stadium in Atlanta. Stacey Abrams started saying, no, I, I, I didn't want that. I didn't call for that. She did call for that. She stealth edited an op-ed that she'd written calling just for that. They just pull all of that. Even with all of that and Stacey Abrams insisting, it's harder to vote. It's about disenfranchisement. Joe Biden and Stacey Abrams, this is Jim Crow 2.0. This is monstrous. This is terrible. Record turnout. So... How do you reconcile that? What do you do? Why, you just lie, after all. You change the goal. I swear to God, Democrats either have to ha have be on Doan's medicated pills, the, the Doan's pills that are supposedly for back pain, or they have the uh, strongest back muscles in the world because all they do all day long is move goalposts. They pick those suckers right out of the ground and they'll move them side to side, back to front. They'll get them out of the stadium somehow. They don't care. They'll carry them up to the upper deck. They're just moving goalposts constantly. 
So you get this piece in the Washington Post. Georgia's primary went smoothly. Oh, okay. Uh, Voting advocates worry about November. What? (laughs) Everything went well. Record turnout. But the narrative must be protected. They're setting themselves up for if Democrats lose in Georgia. Because you've got Herschel Walker challenging Raphael Warnock. Raphael Warnock, the Reverend Warnock. The more and more interesting, interesting things um, are being talked about with his ex-wife and their divorce and uh, their child custody battle and child support and things like that. Things that miraculously didn't become an issue last. It's weird how that didn't become an issue last time. But uh, yeah, it's coming out and causing some people to question certain things and certainly not not looking favorably upon the uh, the right Reverend Raphael Warnock. And Stacey Abrams, she's now a multi-multi-millionaire, owns a lot of property around Georgia. And she recently said that it's the worst state in the country to live. God, this, con- this state sucks. Let me lead this horrible, horrible state. Not really a particular... If you went to buy a car today, boy, let me tell you, about this BMW right here. Or, uh, let me tell you this, uh, what was it? Unsafe. Corvair. Let me tell you about this Corvair. It is unsafe at any speed. It's a horrible death trap. If you uh, hit the brakes too hard, there's a pretty good chance you're going to just die. You'll go right through the windshield. It's actually, I think, <laughs> Corvair was the first car my parents, my dad told me it was the first car that they'd bought. <laughs> the first new car that you ever bought, he had, a, he had a 55 Chevy that he he loved as a kid, and uh, but he had to get it rid of it when he got a family. He liked cars that you could fix because, you know, it's pretty simple, pretty basic now. With there's wires and computers everywhere. You need somebody to do it. But anyway, they bought a Corvair. Like, your first car was unsafe at any speed. That's not a, not a, not a really super great start. But if somebody's trying to sell you a Cor- Corvair, you're like, what the heck? No. No, you know, you, you go over a bump and there's a good chance you're going to die. It's just, let me tell you, this Pinto right here, nice looking car, except for if somebody accidentally hits your bumper and then you're going to blow up or there's a good chance of it. Don't, don't worry about it. That's what Democrats are trying to tell you. Yeah, we got through the election in the primary. This Jim Crow 2.0 racism, this entire right-wing racist industrial complex coming down, crushing minority voters, managed to get record minority turnout? What? How does that work? But don't worry, they're just setting it up for in case they lose. Post writes, turnout set modern records for a midterm primary. Ballot rejections plummeted. Huh, no rejected signatures. And Republican leaders were quick to pronounce that the relatively problem-free election on Tuesday in Georgia offered evidence that concerns about the state's new voting law passed last year had been overblown. I love how they just sugarcoat, we're all going to die, this is racism, Jim Crow 2.0, as concerns. They're just legitimate concerns. There's nothing remotely legitimate about what Democrats were saying about this. Nothing remotely legitimate, nothing remotely rational. But they're like, oh, you know... It's just one of them things. Quote, the incredible turnout we have seen demonstrates once and for all that Georgia's Election Integrity Act struck a good balance between the guardrails of access and security, said Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. 
but voting rights groups and Democrats. Oh, that's weird. Voting rights groups and Democrats. Have you ever seen a story where voting rights groups and Democrats were at loggerheads? No, you haven't, because they're not really voting rights groups. They're left-wing activist groups. They're Democrat groups. They're allowed, they created so that when Democrats lose, they can say, well, there's something fishy going on in that election. Russia meddled in that election. We need to look into it. And you get four years of that garbage. But when a Democrat wins saying, hey, that, those numbers are a little bit weird, don't you think? They immediately, these voting rights groups go in there and say, ah, no, 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 you can't challenge that. Don't you dare challenge that. Who do you think you are? You're Jim Crow 3.0 now. And you're just trying to cause trouble. You're fake. You're lying. This is the big lie. This is the big, just asking questions. When they do it, when Democrats do it, the voter rights, these are legitimate questions. These are concerns that should be addressed. They were hyperventilating over voter suppression. That not only never was in the bill, but it didn't come to pass. It wasn't even close to happening. But a Republican says anything, and no, 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 no. The same voting rights groups, because they're all Democrats, but voting rights groups and Democrats, while celebrating the high participation rates, had a different interpretation. The high turnout, they argued, was an outgrowth of years of painstaking efforts to register and mobilize voters. Not a reflection of the Election Integrity Act, which is also known as Senate Bill 202. And just because the primary went smoothly, they said, doesn't mean there won't be trouble in November. See, Joe Biden comes in, changes things dramatically, changes the law, starts printing money, and blah, 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 throws all of this new money around, and inflation comes in. There's a huge disconnect. No, I... No idea where this inflation is coming from. It's worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah, it is worldwide. Inflation is worldwide because all governments just started printing money during COVID. We just printed way more than everybody else. And we already had $30 trillion of it spent before we started up the printing presses. So you can see how maybe it would be worse. You'd have to be a special kind of stupid to not have anticipated that. And I give you Joe Biden. But they predicted all this doom and gloom and it didn't happen in Georgia. But it doesn't matter. It had to have happened. It must be real. It's out there somewhere. It's like these little social justice warriors who create fake hate crime hoaxes. Why? Because racism is everywhere. It has to be everywhere. So we we can't find it. That just means that it's so ingrained in society that it flies below the radar. So we must create some of it. All these problems that they promised would come from this voter integrity law didn't happen. In fact, the exact opposite happened. And the response is, well, suddenly, suddenly after decades of working to try and get people registered to vote, it clicked with everybody they got. Everybody who registered to vote in the last 20 years who hadn't voted decided, you know what? Now is the time. That 20 years of messaging has finally been beaten into my head and I shall go and vote in a primary. You really have to be a special kind of stupid to believe that. And I give you the Democratic Party. 
So you got the president of the United States. The, the liberal media is very worried about Joe Biden. They're trying to protect him. They're trying to protect him desperately. So the NBC News report talks about a West Wing shakeup. Speculation is churning that Biden could shake up the West Wing staff, though that's not about to happen right away. Multiple people close to the White House say they've heard the chief of staff, Ron Klain, will depart at some point after the midterms, and one has heard him discuss leaving. Yes, uh, the captain of the Titanic may never sail again. He just may decide to go. Except Ron Klain will do what happens to every leftist in these circumstances. Will bail out with a golden parachute where he lands softly in a huge pile of money. He'll have a book deal. He'll have a uh, TV contributorship deal. And he will be invited warmly, pursued heavily, to speak on college campuses for ten to $15,000, maybe even $20,000 a pop out there. Now, former presidents, you say, well, what about the 100,000? Those are for former presidents. Those are for former vice presidents, former elected officials. Ron Klain might do that. Should Klain go, they say a potential successor is Anita Dunn, a White House advisor and Biden confidant whom he often turns to when his fortunes look bleak. His fortunes look bleak constantly, so he must be turning to Anita Dunn constantly. Anita Dunn, I believe, is... Uh, well, let me look that up because I, I don't want to be wrong about that. But I believe her sibling, let's see, do, 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 do. I think she might be Barney. F no, no, maybe not. I thought it was uh, Barney Frank's sister, but it's Barney Frank's sister was somebody else who's involved in Democratic politics. Anita Dunn has been in and out of Democratic administrations for a long time she cashes out and this is why this is why it pays to be a democrat anti-capitalist as they are they sure know how to make an awful lot of money we fight for the poor how'd you get rich fighting for the poor wait you can get rich fighting for the poor only if you fight for the poor in a certain way if you fight for the poor to you know get government out of the way so that the poor can make what they will of their lives. You'll never get rich that way. If you try to get freedom, government away from the people, the poor, you'll never get rich. But, but if you fight for the poor by saying what we really need is more government dependence, I couldn't help but notice that you're government dependent, but you're not uh, getting enough money. I want to get you more government dependent. I want to get you addicted to a, a new level of heroin. Then you can get filthy rich. <laughs> also, Dunn began working in the White House at the start of the term, then left and returned in early May at Biden's specific request. Cashed out, came back. No woman or person of color has ever been the White House Chief of Staff since the position was created after World War II. Oh, so you can take somebody as corrupt and awful as Anita Dunn and throw her in there. And that's how you do it. Just like you can take somebody as corrupt and awful and as big a fraud and as um, big of a liar as Karine Jean-Pierre and install her as White House Press Secretary. Because, well, she's black and gay, don't you know? She is black and gay. So there you she, And she's an immigrant. So she got checks three boxes. 
in the food pyramid of liberalism. And so you can't criticize her at all. Doesn't matter that she has been a known and noted liar on cable news for the better part of two decades. It's cool because she's black and gay. Anita Dunn, historic. They love that word historic. They never say it was historically bad. That's usually what it means. Is if you have to point out, you know, hey, how are they doing at their job? Did you know that she's black and gay? If somebody says, hey, how's your kid doing in college? He is, uh, he just bought the nicest pair of pants you ever saw. Yeah, okay, great. But how's he doing in school? Tell you these pants, boy, howdy. They really just, uh, they. I wish I could get a pair of pants like this. You gotta right there stop and recognize that that kid is not doing so well in school. When somebody is referred to as historic, first and foremost, and almost to the exclusion of everything else, you have to recognize that it is because they suck at their jobs. <laughs> they're probably bad people, but they're historic. Don't you understand? They're, his, they're the first of their kind. The Neil Armstrong of it. Like, oh, okay. Except Neil Armstrong wasn't a horrible lying fraud, you know? Neil, Neil Armstrong could brag about an awful lot. The thing that made Neil Armstrong so Neil Armstrong is he didn't really brag about anything. I'd be walking around like, a, you know, king of the world i'm the first guy that walks on the moon i'd be dining out on that forever neil armstrong didn't he didn't even run for up you know john glenn went up and circled the globe and dined out on that for a 30-year political career not neil armstrong he had integrity other possible and they go through the other possible replacements the white house didn't make clean or done available for comment <laughs> the article is based on interviews with more than a dozen staffers and former administration officials, lawmakers, congressional aides, and other Democrats close to the White House who spoke on condition of anonymity to freely discuss the president's private conversations. Uh, any assessment of Biden's performance needs to take into account the epic challenges he faced from the start. That is not a quote from a human being. That is what the journalists at NBC News wrote that line. I want to read that line again. Any assessment of Biden's performance needs to take into account the epic challenges he faced from the start. Why? This was written by six different New York or uh, NBC News people, including Andrea Mitchell, Kristen Welker, Peter Nichols, the other ones you, you wouldn't recognize. But they are running blocker. For Joe Biden, you got to make sure, make sure that you take into consideration what he faced from the start. Quote, they came in with the most daunting set of challenges, arguably, since Franklin D. Roosevelt, only to then be hit by a perfect storm of crises from Ukraine to inflation to the supply chain to baby formula, said Chris Whipple, author of a book about White House chiefs of staff. <laughs> Says, what's next? Locust? You see here that Joe Biden isn't responsible for anything. Joe Biden just walked into a room and the pipe burst. He's, he did not clog the toilet. He did not do anything. He did not leave the windows open in winter and the heat off. It, it just the pipe burst. It happens. And it just happens to Joe Biden. It's a shame. It's not his fault. Don't blame Joe, damn it. Don't blame Joe. 
Except for the fact that uh, Ukraine, he could have headed that off at the pass, but he refused to take preemptive action back in January when Republicans and Democrats had passed sanctions against Russia. Um, and uh, Joe said, no, don't. Actually, they didn't pass it. The White House lobbied against the vote and got Democrats to block it. Uh, the supply chain, you appointed Secretary Mayor Pete to handle the supply chain. He can't even stock his pantry, but he's in charge of the nation's supply chain. He has no experience whatsoever. He was the mayor of a town smaller than the villages down in Florida, and he sucked at it. He failed to effectively install bike paths. That's his big transportation experience. And you go, it's not his fault. He just inherited this. Mm, No, no, he didn't. And then baby formula, baby formula. The Biden administration had known about this baby formula issue since last year, according to the Secretary of Health and Human Services, which is weird because Javier Becerra saying that did not make news. Javier Becerra pointing that out did not cause widespread condemnation, didn't cause anybody to go, well, if you knew about it, why didn't you do something about it? Nothing. Joe Biden said he's um, he's been on top of this since the beginning, and the only way he could have done anything different was if he'd have been a soothsayer, if he'd have been gone to a tarot card reader who maybe found them... told them ahead of time. Huh. Well, weirdly, in the same story, NBC News reports, quote, Biden is annoyed that he wasn't alerted sooner about the baby formula shortage and that he got his first briefing in the past month, even though the crisis had been long in the making. What? I thought Joe Biden was Johnny on the spot. He fluctuates between Johnny on the spot. We've been on top of it. The only way we could have done better is if we'd known about it from a, a fortune teller to people in this administration knew about it for months, but nobody bothered to tell the president of the United States. And yet nobody has been fired still. You find out they didn't find they didn't fire anybody. They report, quote, the White House didn't specify when Biden got his first briefing on the formula shortage. Why would they? Are you pressing them? Are you pressing them every single day at the White House press briefing? No, you're not. See, that's the way you find out these sorts of things. (laughs) His nominee to head the Food and Drug Administration, Dr. Robert Califf, told Congress last week that the agency was sluggish and that it had made a suboptimal decision as parents hunted for formula on empty store shelves. Isn't that nice? They were suboptimal. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. If your kid lives through this and isn't permanently scarred and damaged in the developmental stages because of not having the accurate formula, I promise you that your next kid will probably not face similar, the the exact same thing anyway. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. So which is it? See, it can't be both. A normal person would read these things and have the context of what Joe Biden had said and what the uh, Ginger Goebbels had said uh, from the White House podium when she was press secretary to what Javier Becerra had 
said in testifying before Congress and in various interviews. All of these things, you would have this knowledge and say you're all saying different things. You're saying, Becerra, that you knew about this for months and months and months and months. Whereas the White House is saying, the president is saying, we just found out about it. The press secretary said two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that the White House was doing everything humanly possible and had been from the beginning to make sure this problem was fixed. And then two weeks later, the president announced new fixes, actual literal fixes, importing baby formula from Europe, for example, and uh, invoking the Defense Production Act to make sure that the baby formula industry in this company gets first crack at the ingredients that it needs to make baby formula. If you're doing everything you could have from the start, those are the two things you should have done right away, months ago, to have avoided this entire problem completely. That you haven't and that we're still in the midst of this problem, make no mistake, it's not getting reported anymore because Joe Biden signed those executive orders. But it is still persisting because when the military is bragging, when the Biden administration is bragging about, we brought over a half a million baby bottles worth of baby formula. Okay, great. That is one feeding for half a million babies. We've got about five to 10 million babies and they get five to seven bottles a day. So congratulations to you. We need about, I don't know, five times that many per day to have a chance of breaking even. Congratulations, Joe, you're doing a bang up job. But the media doesn't report that. The media doesn't bother with that. Have you been to a grocery store lately since Joe has been on this, since the celebrated, heavily produced video that the United States White House, the president, your tax dollars put out to celebrate that they brought over a half a million dollars worth or half a million bottles worth of formula? Have you been to a grocery store since? Are the store shelves stocked? No, they are not. The crisis continues. But since most of the media is Team Democrat and or doesn't have infants, who cares? It doesn't matter. They're addressing the problem, or so they say. It doesn't matter if it's not working. It doesn't matter if it's exacerbating the things. It doesn't matter if they've dropped the ball. It doesn't matter that they saw this thing coming for months and months and months, and allegedly nobody told the president. I don't know which is worse. The president didn't know or the president didn't care. It's bad if the president didn't care, but if the president didn't care, he's a real sociopath. If the president didn't know, he should be firing people left and right. But he's not. There is no push to fire him or for him to fire anybody. They're talking about Ron Klain. The guy who is the gatekeeper for information to the president of the United States, the possibility that he will resign next year after the midterm. See, they want to pretend that there's still party unity and things are going swimmingly. So Ron Klain will continue to collect his lofty, large government salary and probably be marginalized inside the White House, be largely shoved aside. But he'll show up every day because if they suddenly fire the chief of staff before an election, 
there will be no choice but for the media industrial complex to report that there might be or there are signs of a little bit of disarray amongst the Bidenites in the White House that might not be going as well as they can be. Then they might have to report that some of the things, if not all of the things, like inflation, one of the things they listed down there as the problems that Joe Biden just, uh, you know, just can't get out ahead of. Maybe people will begin to recognize that that is his responsibility. That is his fault. Not only did he inherit all these problems, why it was just a perfect storm of crises about which he had no say, no input. And one of them that they list, the one I hadn't mentioned yet, is inflation. Inflation. Joe Biden is directly responsible for inflation. The Build Back Better agenda has made it awful, and he wants more of it to make it worse. And here's Politico or NBC News pretending that eh, no, no tie together could be anything. We know exactly what happened. We lived through it. They're not going to be able to convince us of what we, we're going to believe our lying eyes or what NBC News has to say. Yeah. There'll be plenty of time to talk about Joe Biden later on. I want to point out this story from um, West Cook News. This is one of those stories where you're sitting there and you're going, this is, is this, is this real? Is this what we've uh, become? Or is this where we're headed? And the answer is yes. You can read it for yourself at westcooknews.com. It is, um, it's a head scratcher, to say the least. Uh, The headline OPRF to implement race-based grading system in 2022-23 school year. Oak Park and River Forest High School administrators will require teachers next school year to adjust their classroom grading scale to account for the skin color or ethnicity of its students. School board members discussed the plan called Transformative Education Professional Development and Grading at a meeting on May 26th, presented by Assistant Superintendent for Student Learning, Lori Fiazona, in an effort to equalize test scores among racial groups. OPRF, which is Oak Park River Forest High School, OPRF will order its teachers to exclude from their grading assessments variables it says disproportionately hurt the grades of black students. They can no longer be docked for missing class, misbehaving in school, or failing to turn in their assignments according to the plan. You can't... You want George W. Bush... He didn't say a whole lot of things that were particularly profound. But when he talked about the soft bigotry of low expectations, my God, that man was dead, solid, perfect on it. Was he not? <laughs> Equalized desk. Yeah, can't, because black students couldn't possibly be expected to show up to class, behave themselves, or do their work. These are their words, not mine. These are their words, 
not mine. <clears throat> Quote, traditional grading practices perpetuate inequities and intensify the opportunity gap, reads a slide in the PowerPoint deck outlining its rationale and goals. It's call, it called for OPRF leaders, de, it called for what OPRF leaders describe as, quote, competency-based grading, eliminating zeros from the gradebook, encouraging and rewarding growth over time. Sounds an awful lot like social promotion. Look, they're going to, they're eventually, sure, they're in uh, seventh grade and can't read or do basic math, but eventually, eventually they'll figure that out, right? I mean, it is, I mean, they're bound to figure it out eventually. So if we hold them back now, what's the point? <laughs> Teachers are beginning uh, are being instructed how to measure student growth while keeping the school's leaders political ideology in mind. Quote, teachers and administrators at the OPRFHS will continue to process uh, the continue the process necessary to make grading improvements that reflect our core beliefs. The plan states promising to, quote, consistently integrate equitable assessment and grading practices into all academic and elective courses by fall of 2023. Did you know, are you aware of the fact that black kids just simply can't learn? Now, granted, Democrats have for years controlled the schools in which uh, majority black kids attended and have done nothing but make sure that they um, they don't learn, that they get the worst education possible. But I didn't know that was actual, literal policy, did you? <laughs> According to the Illinois State School Board of Education, 38% of OPRF sophomore students taking the scholastic aptitude test failed. Well, here in Baltimore, that would be a resounding success. But yeah, 38% failure rate. The OPRF failure rate was 77% for black students, 49% for Hispanics, 27% for Asians, and 25% for whites. Advocates uh, for so-called equity-based grading practices, which seek to raise the grade point averages of black students and lower the scores of higher-achieving Asians, white, and Hispanic ones, say new grading criteria are necessary to further school districts' missions of diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice. D-E-I-J. <laughs> yes, we must. Look, there's no way. Honest to God, I've never read KKK literature. I have. I just, it's not important to me. It's a relic from the past. And I don't really like the history of the Democratic Party anyway. But to sit there and re read these things, I have to believe they lifted it. Like there could be a plagiarism lawsuit here. Could be straight up lifting of this from the uh, KKK, the Democrat Party. It's bizarre that this isn't roundly denounced as the racism it is. These school districts, black kids just can't learn. If you're a black parent in this school district, 
Why would you send your school kid to school for another single day? They, they look at your child as incapable of learning. Incapable of learning. Not, we're going to have to work harder. We're going to have to press it. Nope. It is the summer's off professional class and their union representatives going, let's just lower the bar. All right. We, we can't teach these kids. Look, they're dumb. Their skin color dictates that they're dumb. Let's get something else going in here. Come on, man. It's sick. It's, it's not the soft bigotry of low expectations. It's just bigotry. <laughs> Honest, it's just straight up bigotry. It's not the soft bigotry. George W. Bush was right to call what was he was talking about at that time the soft bigotry of low expectations. But honestly, what they're advocating now is just straight up bigotry. It's not even soft anymore. They've just come out and basically have taken Klan propaganda and wiped it clean, changed the dates, put new letterhead on it, and that's it. <clears throat> By training their teachers to remove non-academic, this is a quote, by training teachers to remove the non-academic factors from their grading practices. What the hell do you mean non-academic? You show up, you behave, and you do the work. Those are non-academic. Well, so if you do one homework assignment or take one test and you do okay on it, you're, you're just, well, extrapolate out on that. The, the one thing they did do, they were pretty good at. They got a, a C-. minus. So we'll just pass them. <laughs> by training teachers to remove non-academic factors from their grading practices and recognize when personal biases manifest, districts can proactively signal a clear commitment towards DEIJ, the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Justice, said Margaret Sullivan, Associate Director at the Education Advisory Board, which sells consulting services to colleges and universities. You wonder why we're getting, you, think, you think to yourself, it seems like we're getting dumber as a society. We are. This is why we're getting dumber. These people are why we're getting dumber and we're paying. We're paying for the privilege of it. Sullivan calls grading based on traditional classroom testing and homework performance, quote, outdated practices and fosters, quote, unconscious biases. Quote, teachers may unintentionally let non-academic factors like student behavior or whether a student showed up to virtual class interfere with their final evaluation of the student, she said. Traditional student grades include non-academic criteria that do not reflect student learning gains, including participation and on-time homework submission. Being on time, reporting to class, and turning in your homework on time is now racist. You want to know why we're going to homeschool our kids at least to start? You want to know why we want to keep the uh, and encourage everybody to keep their kids as far away from mutants like this as humanly possible? Look no further. Right there is your answer. School districts across the U.S. are, quote, experimenting with getting rid of zero to 100 point scales and other strategies to keep missed assignments from dramatically bringing down overall grades, according to a March Associated Press report. So I tell you this 
And I say it all the time, stupidity spreads like a cold on a plane. I wasn't kidding. <laughs> I was not kidding. You can sit there and you can say, well, this is one district or this is insane or this is New York or this is San Francisco. No, this is Illinois. And this is one of many places where this is happening. This is one of many places where this is happening. And it will keep happening and it will keep spreading. Unless and until it is stopped. It is not a matter of, well, we'll just counteract it or we'll try and roll it back. No, it has to be stopped. It has to be stopped dead in its tracks. This is a sickness. This is the progressive mindset. This is looking at somebody. If you had done, if you did, if you did this, the left would be screaming, "My God, you're a horrible racist!" But they do it, and it's okay. It's okay. It's understandable. What are you going to do? Look, the black kids aren't going to learn. They're just not capable of learning. Experimenting with this. Others uh, others are allowing students to retake tests and turn in work late. Always coming under scrutiny are extra credit assignments that can favor students with more advantages. <laughs> yeah. Extra credit just favors students with more advantages. That's just it. Extra credit is designed essentially for kids to make up for their screw-ups, for the things that didn't work out. But now that's racist too. That's racist too. Why? Because why not? Because why not? Honestly, if you were trying to destroy black people in America, what would you do differently than what Democrats are doing here with the education system? What would you do differently? Could you do anything different aside from simply rounding them up and uh, launching them into the middle of the ocean, putting them on a rocket ship and sending them into the sun, what would you do differently? What could you do differently than what Democrats are doing? In many ways, launching them into a rocket into the sun would be way more humane. It'd at least be quick. This is prolonged pain and suffering imposed by government under the guise of we're helping. We're helping. I'm reminded of the great Jason Riley book from a few years ago, Please stop helping us. The editorial writer, the member of the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal, brilliant guy, happens to be black. His book was "Please Stop Helping Us." It was about how the so-called help that Democrats were pushing on the black community was destroying the black community. Under the guise of help, Democrats have destroyed the black family and have exploded out of wedlock births and to the to just the glee, the absolute glee of Democrats out of wedlock births. The fastest way to ensure that you remain locked in poverty is to have a child out of wedlock. And the Democratic Party encourages it. It's wonderful. While simultaneously encouraging, you know, those are teenagers. Oh, you know, have the baby. You can do it. You can do it all. You can have it. You've just, if you're 16 years old and you just had a kid, if you got pregnant, you have um, pretty much guaranteed yourself a life of poverty. Short of some miracle, it's not impossible. But statistically, you're screwed. Weirdly, in democratic circles, when somebody, when a black woman is in her 20s, 
they're right there with the, you should have an abortion. You should totally have an abortion. To the point that something in the neighborhood of 50 to 60% of all black babies conceived in this country, certainly in places like New York, they are end up in abortions. So it's simultaneous career, lifelong, generational poverty coupled with pre-birth genocide. Democratic Party, they care so deeply about the achievements, the achievements of minority students that they want to make sure that any unit of measure that could actually be useful to find out whether or not children are learning is bastardized to the point that no one will ever be able to figure that out. Not a single human being will ever be able to figure that out. Who's the racist again? I forget. Oh, yeah, Democrats. Same as it ever was. I want to shift north to Canada. Yes, I know that's not how you pronounce it. But Canada, just to demonstrate how liberals of a feather flock together and remind you of stupidity spreads like a cold on a plane. It does. It doesn't matter where it is. Progressives are progressives first and foremost. They're anything else, a distant second. And it doesn't matter where in the world you find them. They all have the same ultimate goal. That is control. Control over you. Control over you, period. Control over your fate, your destiny, what you do, what you think, what you eat, what you, how you take care of your family. They want to strip you of your family. They're, they're society's children, not, not your children. You've got to uncouple children from the family. Yes, make everybody wards of the state. It works out really great for anybody who you know, is a ward of the state now. Just wonderful, wonderful things going on out there in, in government world. Well, we had the awful shooting down in Uvalde, Texas. Not only have Democrats here liberal progressives here, seized on that to declare them, you know, to push their gun control agenda. And it's weird because they chose a different path with the shooting in Buffalo. That was, we've got to highlight racism. We've got a chance to call everybody who disagrees with us a racist. Which if you really care about gun control, if you really think, if you really believe gun control is the solution to stopping people from being shot and killed, if we just pass another law or two and make gun ownership even more difficult than it already is, that that will save lives. If you honestly believe that and you're not just in it for the sake of control, then you would think that the gun control argument would have been made after Buffalo as well, right? But no, they had conflicting narrative options and they decided that they wanted to go after evil racism. So it was not gun control. Gun control doesn't matter. It wasn't even really talked about. It's weird how gun control wasn't talked about after the massacre, the attempted massacre, by James Hodgkinson, noted Bernie bro, dedicated Democrat, on that baseball field in uh, Alexandria or Arlington, Virginia, that nobody was talking about gun control. Democrats wanted to stop talking about that as quickly as humanly possible. And they did. It happened, I think, on a... Tuesday and by Friday it was forgotten. Steve Scalise was not off life support. They didn't know if Steve Scalise was going to live or not, but they pretty much stopped talking about the story because, well, it, it wasn't going to be helpful. It was one of their own. 
It was one of their own who did it, just like the shootings by people who aren't white, the mass shootings by people. The, the subway shooting in New York City, it, it didn't even happen. It might as well have not happened. The shooting at the Asian church out in California, it's, it might as well have not happened. You see these people, they get excited. I can't wait to find out if we, the shooter is white. Ah, oh, the shooter isn't white. Uh, anyway, moving on. Why, when they tell you, these leftists, that they care about human lives, they don't give a damn about human lives. Not beyond the extent to which they can use them for their own purposes, period, end of story. Well, the tragedy down in Texas was an opportunity for Democrats in this country, but it is also for progressives around the world. And Canada is the first to jump. Canada was the first to jump. Justin Trudeau, Fidel Castro's son. <laughs> hey, look, his, his wife, uh, his or not his wife, geez, paging Dr. Freud. But uh, Justin Trudeau's mother was a woman named Margaret Trudeau. I, having listened to books, uh, the autobiography of Keith Richards' life, which I highly recommend, and a biography of Mick Jagger. Seems like a real D-bag. Uh, but a biography of Mick Jagger, they both touch on Margaret Trudeau, who she was married to Pierre Trudeau. She's much younger than Pierre Trudeau. And uh, Pierre Trudeau was the prime minister of Canada. And Margaret enjoyed... Partying with rock star. I'm trying to put it in the most delicate terms possible. She slept around. Well, it was the 70s. It was a different time. She would go to Studio 54. She allegedly had affairs with both Mick Jagger and Ronnie Wood of the Rolling Stones. And that's as far as anybody will admit. That she, you know, like, who knows? There are other members of the Rolling Stones and their they're traveling entourage and whatever. But she was noted to have been... Uh, seen naked running around the hotel suites of the Rolling Stones. You're like, whoa, what? Yeah, no, when I say she was much younger than uh, Pierre Trudeau, she was much younger than Pierre Trudeau by like 30 or 40 years, honestly. So Pierre Trudeau was born in 1919, and Margaret Trudeau, who's still alive, Pierre is not, was born in 1948. So she's 73, 40 years ago, 45 years. She was in her late 20s, early 30s, and she's married to a dude in his, what would that, 50s, 60s? It was a national embarrassment for Canada, as you might imagine. And Justin Trudeau came out of that, allegedly, except for if you look at photographs, <laughs> and this is a lot like Webster Hubble and uh, Chelsea Clinton, okay? Bill Clinton allegedly told one of his uh, women, conquests, that uh, that he was having an affair on Hillary with, that he couldn't have children. Don't worry. There's no need for any birth control. You're not going to get pregnant. He's sterile. That was alleged to have been what he said. It does seem weird that somebody with that kind of libido and uh, that many partners would not have other love children, but okay, had Chelsea. Except for if you look at pictures of Chelsea Clinton, particularly in the face, definitely the mouth, and Webster Hubble. 
And then you recognize that there were rumors, and there are still rumors, that there was an affair between Hillary Clinton and Webster Hubble. You can hardly blame Hillary Clinton. Bill Clinton was sleeping with anything that moved. So if she would be like, well, to hell with you. I'm going to go with our friend here and really you know, hit you close to home, you jerk. <clears throat> you can understand that to a certain degree. You can condone it, but you can certainly see where she's coming from. And there's Webster Hubble Juniorette, or whatever you want to call her. I don't know. I haven't seen the blood work. I'm just saying my spidey sense tingles when I see those pictures side by side. You take Justin Trudeau's photograph and you put it next to Fidel Castro's photograph and you recognize that there are rumors that Margaret Trudeau, in addition to, because it ain't Mick Jagger, it ain't Ronnie Wood, that uh, Margaret Trudeau was known for sort of uh, being a party girl, being the life of the party that there were stories that she had had an affair with Fidel Castro. And you go, wow, that guy does really look a lot like Fidel Castro. Sure as hell doesn't look anything like Pierre Trudeau. It's all I'm saying. Pierre Trudeau is a goofy-looking, bald dude. Not what Justin Trudeau looks like. Anyway, I, I'm straying. I just like mocking him because I really think that it's true. <laughs> really, I, when your when your parentage is in question because of your parents' lifestyle, you kind of it deserves mockery anyway. I think, especially when you embrace it, you live in the same politics as them. But uh, Justin decided that the Uvalde, Texas massacre was the perfect opportunity to make a move against Canadians. Now you, you sit there and you go, progressives in this country want to punish Americans who've done nothing. At least we're Americans. You know, there's a connection there. You take advantage. Canadians, there's no connection to it. This dude was not from Canada. He didn't have Canadian heritage. He's a Hispanic dude. Serious, serious monster of a sociopath who should have been institutionalized, quite frankly, because the New York Post is reporting that there's pictures of him. People knew that this guy was like killing neighborhood cats. That's a sociopath. That's a bit of a red flag. You might want to tell somebody if somebody you know in your neighborhood is torturing animals. That is a sign of being a sociopath. Anyway, speaking of sociopaths, Justin Trudeau decides that this is an opportunity for him to further erode the rights of Canadians. And he lined up a whole bunch of masked white liberal left-wing politicians, I imagine, up in Canada to stand behind him, socially distanced, in a weird soundstage kind of thing. They applaud, but there's no crowd there. In a speech where he announces that he wants to introduce, he's introducing a piece of legislation to strip Canadians of their rights because of what some evil SOB did down in Texas. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. In other words, we're capping the market for handguns. Capping the market for handguns. Now, why? Did something horrible happen? No. Did somebody do? No. Just didn't. Just, this was his opportunity. This is what they wanted. Like in this country, they want to ban the AR-15 style assault weapons, which doesn't mean anything so legally it could mean everything. 
So they just use it. They just—it's a placeholder for whatever they want it to mean at any given moment. Up in Canada, they've wanted to get rid of handguns. They wanted to limit handguns and get rid of them for a long time. And make no mistake, they're not confiscating handguns. But if you cannot transfer ownership, if you can't sell it, if you can't buy one, then what? It has to be buried with you. You can't give it. You can't transfer ownership. It's not one thing to sell. The transfer of ownership to me means you can't leave it to your children. You can't give it to your child. It's straight up yours. And then when you die, it's the government's period. End of story. They'd love to do something like that here. They're not there yet. But in Canada, you do that and you get, oh, wild applause. Let's punish Canadians. Yes, let's punish Canadians. Those awful, awful Canadians, they must be punished, says the leadership of Canada. If you have no faith and no trust in your the people that you're elected to lead, first of all, they elected you. So <laughs> maybe you got a point that they're not really trustworthy or particularly bright. But secondly, it tells you something about these people. You are not to be trusted. You can't be trusted. You're just one bad day away from becoming a mass murderer. That's it. You're a monster. And therefore, we must punish you. But I didn't do anything. It doesn't matter that you didn't do anything. You have to be destroyed. Justin Trudeau continues. As a further part of this new legislation, we're also fighting gun smuggling and trafficking by increasing maximum criminal penalties and providing more tools for law enforcement to investigate firearm crimes. And we'll require the permanent alteration of long gun magazines so they can never hold more than five rounds. The permanent alteration of long gun magazines. They're making everybody who currently owns a weapon in Canada a potential felon. Democrats would love nothing more than to do that here as well. You hear them talking about mandatory buybacks. It's not, it's not a buyback. It's gun confiscation where they give you a little bit of cash, never what you paid for it. But it's what they did in Australia. It's what they did in New Zealand. Mandatory buybacks. You give us your guns or we're coming to take them. We're going to offer you $200 to buy back your guns. And you have to take it. Well, I don't want it. To, I paid, I paid $1,000 for this weapon. I don't want to take 200 This is the deal. If you don't take this $200, we will arrest you because we will have made you a felon. We will make you a felon. That's how sick these people are. Five rounds. Five rounds. Never protect yourself in Canada. Never protect yourself in the United States. They would like nothing more than to do the exact same thing here. You hear Democrats all the time talk about what they would love to do is make bullets $100 a piece. What would that do? Well, it wouldn't impact the politicians. The government picks up the ammunition costs to protect them. It wouldn't impact the rich. They have the money to afford the bodyguards to protect them with weapons. But if you live in Chicago, Baltimore, Detroit, and your neighborhood is riddled with drug dealers and your politicians are feckless and worthless, you won't be able to defend yourself. You will be defenseless. Oh, you can call the police. 
provided the Democrats hadn't defunded them, they might actually show up inside of a couple of minutes. And again, they might not. All depends. Making you more and more dependent on the state for everything in your life while making you a felon if you don't comply. This is essentially the Alien and Sedition Act, except it's not criticism of speech that they're making illegal. It's just existing wrong in the eyes of progressives. You don't want to give up your gun? Well, I don't care. I've just declared your gun to be illegal. You are now a felon. You have until noon tomorrow to turn in that gun or we will arrest you and we will prosecute you. And these progressive politicians and their progressive er, prosecutors, I guarantee you, those people, those people who refuse to comply with the orders of the left, those people will be prosecuted. The people walking into drugstores with garbage bags and duffel bags and calmly filling it up with everything off the shelves while being filmed, not giving a damn, knowing full well they'll never face prosecution. Those people won't be prosecuted at all. Say something to them and they'll hit you. Say something to them, they might threaten to kill you. It doesn't matter. Those people won't be prosecuted at all. The drug dealer down the street from your house that guy won't be prosecuted at all for owning an illegal firearm, for carrying an illegal firearm. But you, who purchased a legal firearm, who went through all the hoops, the background checks, the licensing, made sure that the government deemed you to be okay for ownership, and then they changed their mind and declared you to be a felon if you would not comply, you will not get the same courtesy as that drug dealer down the street caught with a brick of heroin. There will be no plea deal for you. An example must be made. You will go to jail. They won't. They vote for Democrats. They vote for the Liberal Party up in Canada. They vote for the progressives. You think for yourself and therefore must be destroyed. Yeah, you know, I, I, I looked. I got this Joe Biden audio. Since we're talking about Justin Trudeau going after the Canadians. Joe Biden, you know, today, Tuesday, the bipartisan group in the Senate scheduled to meet to talk about possible things to do to help stop crazy people from getting guns and help prevent, you know, another mass shooting. You would think a rational human being would say, well, you've got to deal with mental health. All of these people have uh, many things in common. Yes, they have guns. But they're also crazy because you have to be a special kind of crazy or evil to do what these people did. Democrats want to deal with the inanimate object rather than, I don't know, finding ways to treat the people with the mental illness. You know, the, the guy in Texas running around with a bag of dead cats and pictures of it being taken, pictures of it being circulated. And people knew about this and nobody said, hey, you know what? Killing animals is not cool. That's a sign of being a sociopath. Maybe we should, and it's a crime on top of it. It's a crime. Maybe we should call the police. How many other things did this guy do where they said, well, we're not going to really say anything. Let's not, let's not go crazy. It'd be wrong to call the police on this. But no, it wouldn't. If you know somebody who's torturing animals or killing animals, call the police on them. Once you get used to Taking life, and generally, you need a, it's like a drug addiction. 
You can take a little bit and get really high. And then you do it often enough and you need to take a little more. Because the same old amount ain't getting you as high. And then you need a little more because that same old new amount ain't getting you as high. If you find some sort of thrill in killing animals, you find some sort of thrill in killing. And maybe you start off with mice. Maybe you move up to cats and dogs and whatever. Maybe it doesn't go any further. Maybe you go, my God, what the hell's wrong with me? And you stop it. Or maybe you graduate up to human beings. But nobody said anything. Nobody said anything. They let it go. Because why? Because who the hell knows? I don't understand. I get... I get that you don't want to call the cops every time you see some kid doing something. Oh, my God, a kid threw a rock at a window. Well, I'm not going to call them. The kids are being kids, whatever. But when you see him throwing a, a cat through a window, it's time to call the police. It's time to call in the authorities because that's not normal behavior. And if it's not nipped in the bud, it goes nowhere good. But rather than encourage something on anything. See, Democrats say, well, fine, mental health is fine, but we need to do something about guns too. Republicans say we can't do anything about, you're punishing the innocent if you do something about guns. Well, then shouldn't you just go, all right, well, look, we're going to, at least if we're going to do something, let's do something on the mental health side, because that one we agree on. We can work on what we agree on and we can talk about what we disagree on. But no, Joe Biden comes along and throws a a monkey wrench into the gears. Yesterday, in a gaggle of reporters outside, he walked up to them and he talked about getting rid of basically nine millimeter weapons, which is the vast majority of handguns in the United States of America. Nobody's even been talking about that. I mean, if you really truly are a believer in gun control and that guns are the problem and not the people who fire the guns, then the handgun is the biggest problem because the handgun is responsible for probably 95% of the deaths in the country. The long rifles that they're talking about are responsible for an infinitesimal amount of the number of deaths in this country by gun. Actually, I think more people are killed by hammers every year than by rifles in this country. But they know that the handgun is wildly popular in this country, so they don't mention it. On the cusp of the first meeting of this group of senators to try and figure out if they can come up with something, anything, that Democrats are insisting the country is clamoring for, Joe Biden throws a giant turd in the middle of the room when he says this. And they showed me a, 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 a x-ray. He said a 22 caliber bullet will lodge in the lung, and we can probably get it out, maybe able to get it, and save the life. A 9 millimeter bullet blows the lung out of the body. So the idea of these high caliber weapon. There's simply no rational basis for it in terms of about self-protection, hunting. I mean, I just, I remember, the Constitution, the Second Amendment, was never absolute. 
Second Amendment, it's kind of hard to buy a plane. The Second Amendment was never absolute. He always says that you couldn't own a cannon. You could. You could own a cannon. Joe Biden doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. He gets a talking point in his head and he just sticks with it, no matter how wrong it is or how many times he's corrected. But to sit there, the nine millimeter blows the lung out of the body? What in the hell does that even mean? Blows the lung out of the body. It doesn't. It leaves a bigger exit wound for sure. By the way, I believe that that monster down in Uvalde used a rifle that was a twenty-two. Just saying. Doesn't matter. Democrats never let the facts stand in the way of a good story. So he's essentially saying there that we've got to get rid of 9 millers, a high caliber, big whip, big bullets, big ammunition. We've got to get rid of them. Well, it pretty much, well, not every, but most handguns in the country are 9 millimeters. So right as senators are about to sit down to talk about, negotiate on what Democrats insist is the most important thing in the world right now, Joe Biden comes in and just uh, throws a grenade in the room. Crop dust. He just walks in the room, rips a fart and walks away. Just, no, now you guys, I know you're going to sit down. You're going to have good faith ever. Yeah, uh, by the way, I'm going to change the terms of everything and then run away. And good luck. Let me know if you guys come up with anything. You're sitting there going, how in the hell? If you wanted to destroy the negotiations ahead of time, what would you do differently than what Joe Biden did? I don't know. I honestly don't know. That's a legitimate question. I'd love to hear from you if you can if you can think of what he'd do different. Aside from him saying, uh, give us everything we want and expect nothing in return, I don't know what he could have done differently than said, we got to get rid of the nine millimeters in this country. It was never discussed, never talked about, not a factor in Uvalde. And then you recognize, oh, wait, Democrats don't really care. They're not bound by the reality of the events they say precipitated their actions, caused their actions. They're not bound by that. If they were, they would want to get serious about mental illness. You would want to get serious about mental illness if you were at all serious about stopping these sorts of things from happening. But they're not. It's a timing thing. This is an opportunity. They now have an opportunity to push for gun control. Do they really want gun control? Well, judging by what Joe just said, no, not really. Do they want the issue of gun control? Oh, baby, do they. If they think they, they, they're going into the election, they're looking at everything that they've got lined up against them and all of Joe Biden's incompetence and all the Democrat policies failures, and they look at it and they go, well, we can go in with guns blazing, guns, and we can go in with abortion. Those are two very emotional issues. They're not rational. What Democrats are saying about them are not true, but it doesn't matter. They can rile up their base and get them emotional. They can inspire them to turn out. Turnout will be higher probably than it normally would be over a midterm election for a feckless loser president with a horrible record because they're going to try to use those two issues to scare the hell out of everybody and motivate them to the polls. Don't question me on this one. Doesn't matter how big of a failure these people are or what they, they want to do doesn't work. They are Mr. Magoo walking through. Well, Joe Biden is Mr. Magoo walking through life walking through the world, going, oh, geez, 
How are, what's going on here? I don't even know what's going on. And the media is there enabling it. Washington Post has a piece. U.S. policymakers misjudged inflation threat until it was too late. Oh, it's the policymaker, not the president. And they misjudged it. Oh, no, no. Prices for everything, or for just about everything Americans buy, gas, groceries, housing, cars, clothes, even TVs, have spiked in the past two years. Two years seems like it's really mostly been the last eh, year, maybe nine months. But nope. See, they got to go two years so they can try and pin it on Trump, at least in part. Uh, past years, inflation, which has been scarcely noticeable for decades, is suddenly the top concern uh, most people have about the economy. And it all seemed to catch Washington by surprise. Who did it keep? Who is surprised that oh, if we just print trillions upon trillions of dollars, that's not going to be particularly good for the economy? How dumb do you have to be to be caught flat-footed on that one? I guess if you're able to essentially print thirty trillion dollars or borrow thirty trillion, some of it was borrowed, not all of it was printed. Thirty trillion dollars. If you're able to borrow that money. And you haven't really had inflation. I guess you could be caught with your pants down. You get the full Bill Clinton caught with your pants down. But it's highly unlikely that you're really caught by surprise. But you can't be the one who says, oh, yeah, no, I knew this was coming because then you'd be in a world of trouble. The public would turn against you. You'd be you're not going to get that government consulting contract with with the Biden administration. So you got to go, oh, gee, shucks, who saw this coming? Well, you were playing on the train tracks. You were playing on the train tracks and you got hit by a train. That's really the only place where you're going to get hit by a train, right? Maybe underneath train tracks, under a bridge, and the bridge collapses as the train goes over. That would be another place where you'd more likely be killed by the bridge pieces. The train wouldn't help. But really the only place to get hit by a train is on the train tracks. The only way to get hit by inflation is to just start printing money. Does Zimbabwe come to mind with anybody? On July 19, 2021, President Biden downplayed the risk of persistent inflation, telling the reporters that price hikes, quote, are expected to be temporary. This month, Biden called reining in prices his top domestic priority. Huh? Why? What about white terrorism or whatever the hell it is because everything is his priority and so nothing is his priority and really his only priority is not losing as many seats as humanly possible now you got to love this it's not joe biden's fault he lied about it oh it's going to be temporary everybody's telling me it's going to be temporary 17 nobel laureates told me it's going to be temporary okay they're idiots they're wrong you know most did any of them win in economics? Did they win a Nobel Prize in economics at all? Anybody? Post continues, a combination of factors, including surges in the coronavirus, supply chain problems, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and a dramatic shift in consumer spending pr- patterns, all made things more expensive. You see, they too are trying to get away from the massive printing of trillions of dollars. That is the one thing we know for damn sure causes inflation across the board. If there was just a supply chain shortage of uh, cars, you always just can't get the chips. If it was just in cars, steak wouldn't cost more. 
it wouldn't have any impact on stake at all. But if you devalue the currency by overprint by printing trillions of dollars in it, then everything becomes more expensive. And we're in a situation where everything becomes more expensive. If it was just supply chain, boy howdy, we can't find enough pickleball paddles. Okay, well, if there's a pickleball paddle shortage, then pickleball paddles would become more expensive. They'd be harder to find. They'd cost more of the materials for it. I know it's a deep dive, but just go with me. But that's not what's happening. Everything is more expensive. So how do you explain that? You can't. Can't not rationally. But we're not dealing with the people who are interested in being rational. We're not dealing with people who aren't afraid. We're dealing with people who are not afraid of making themselves look like complete idiots and clowns for the Democrat Party, for the cause, uberalis, agenda, uberalis. So they'll they'll write things like that. Oh, man, what are you going to (laughs) do? And a, a, a smart person would read that and go, that doesn't make any sense. It didn't help that the increases began in uneven and uh, seemingly disconnected ways. Housing prices went up initially because the pandemic changed where people wanted to live. Rental car prices went up, in part because companies sold off their fleets when tourism dipped. But eventually, these one-off developments fused to create a much broader calamity. Really? So because people wanted a nicer home to work from and rental cars went up and that's why you're paying twice as much for chicken. Doesn't have anything to do with printing of trillions of dollars. Doesn't have anything to do with that. The $100 trillion Zimbabwe bill hangs over the head of everything going on here, but the media doesn't want you to think about that because the Democrat industrial complex doesn't want you to think about that because that doesn't help them at all. It's a damn joke. It's pathetic. That's enough for today, I think, don't you? Yeah, I think that's enough for today. I sure do appreciate the use of your ears. This same BS is going to keep going, so we're going to have plenty of opportunity to talk about it. they got to polish the turd that is Joe Biden. Try and get outside and enjoy, well, stay under shade or something, but try and enjoy some nice weather and steal some vitamin D from up there. And be back here tomorrow. Thanks for listening.